0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge
1: on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back. Uh, This question comes up a lot. What happens to to those Canadians who have become radicalized, gone abroad to fight for the so-called Islamic State, and then decide to come home? How many of them are there? What kind of a threat do they pose? I mean, if these are people who... Realize that this whole dream of a, a caliphate is is a fraud. They don't want any part of it. Uh, they would pose much less of a threat than uh, somebody who's basically been sent to Canada as uh, some kind of a mole or a you know a jihadist in waiting. I think you know the potential risk of the latter is why uh, authorities need to try to stay on top of this. How many of these people there are? where are they, what are they doing, to at least reach out to them, if for no other reason than to let them know that uh, you know, authorities are aware of their presence, uh, but to maybe find out more from them about their experience, because certainly those who join and then abandon the Islamic State uh, do have information to share. Well, Stuart Bell, investigative journalist with Global News, has an exclusive today, the story of one man who is now back in Canada Uh, in his experience. Uh, Stuart joins us on the line here this afternoon. Hello Stuart. Hi Rob. Okay so what do we need to know about this young man?
0: Well he's a young guy. He grew up, he was born in Pakistan but came here as a kid with his parents. Uh, Grew up around Toronto but then after high school decided to go back to Pakistan and uh, apply to universities there. But uh, while he was there in Lahore um, city he claims that he was uh, recruited into ISIS and um, the recruiters arranged for him to travel to Turkey and then down into Syria. He ended up in uh, what's called the Hizbah, which is the kind of the morality police of uh, ISIS who enforce the very strict uh, interpretations of conduct and, and dress code that uh, ISIS enforces in all the areas that it... Uh, that it had under control but he says that uh he fairly quickly became disillusioned and uh after 5 6 months he left and he uh, he escaped he got back into turkey uh, back to pakistan and he arrived back in canada last summer
1: all right now were authorities aware either that he had left or that he had returned i mean it's it's difficult to stay on top of all of this what was known about this guy
0: I think uh I don't think they were aware of him for the reason there, that he used uh two passports to travel. So he has a Pakistani passport, he has a Canadian passport, mm-hmm. and so he he, entered, he when he left Canada initially, he was traveling on his Canadian passport to Pakistan. He then reverted to his Pakistani passport which he used to travel um, to Turkey and Syria. Uh so when he did get back, they the border officials would have been looking at his Canadian passport and not seeing any trace of his travels. So I don't think they were aware, but he did make a big mistake, as many young people do on social media. He um, he was on uh, Instagram and he was denouncing uh, the leader of ISIS, al-Baghdadi, and um, went so far, I think, to kind of bolster what he was saying, that he had credibility. He said that he was an ex-ISIS member, that he'd been to the city of Monbiage with ISIS. So um, he basically outed himself. And uh, it wasn't long after that that uh, CSIS and the RCMP came knocking on his door.
1: Well, yeah, no kidding. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, even in what he did, uh, you know, he he may have broken some laws, right?
0: Well, don't forget, even attempting to leave Canada for the purpose of uh, participating in a group like ISIS is illegal now. He didn't just attempt. He went there and he participated. And, um, you know, he was in the morality police. He wasn't a front-line fighter, but uh, let's let's not gloss over this. I mean, these were basically the shock troops of uh, ISIS whose job was to... Um, you know, patrol the streets and to, uh, to you know, for example, uh, find women that were not fully covered, um, people that were men and women that were mixing that weren't related, uh, cigarettes, drinking, um, all of these things were, were punished harshly by ISIS. Uh, people that were accused of, um, of stealing had their fingers and hands cut off. Um, you saw this actually when <clears throat> when Isis was kicked out of manbij City um you could see the people there were there's videos online of uh, women burning their their black uh coverings that they were forced to wear by Isis um men trimming their beards because they'd been banned from shaving and um you know and and the I guess the worst uh of all of those crimes was were the executions that took place and People that were accused of, in any way, kind of straying from the ISIS ideology, were brought to a public square, either beheaded or shot, and then crucified. They were, they were hung up on uh, a wooden crucifix that was built in the public square of downtown Mombasa, and left there for several days as a warning to others. So you know, these are pretty. To participate in that group uh, is a, would be a pretty serious crime, you would think. Um, even if eventually you decided that, you know, it wasn't for you.
1: Right. So that, that leaves authorities with a choice. I mean, do we try to build a case against this guy? Or if we're convinced that he's, he's truly reformed, that he's abandoned this ideology, maybe we can use him as, as an asset of sorts.
0: Yeah, but those two aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. Um, one of the ways that, you you know, police sometimes compel people to cooperate and, to get help and counseling to disabuse themselves of these horrific ideas uh... is the threat of a criminal charge and um, they don't have that in this in this case uh, for whatever reason i don't know i don't believe he's been fully forthcoming with the authorities uh... who he's spoken to um, because he knows that would be basically confessing to a crime okay. and it's very very difficult for police to build uh... criminal cases um, that they can take to a Canadian court about what somebody did in a country like Syria, where they don't just don't have the ability to collect evidence. So you end up with people that come back and are kind of stuck in this gray zone where you know the police know that they were involved but can't really take action. And that's you know part of the article that we have online today is that's kind of leaving the um, that's left the responsibility for dealing with these guys largely with the community. Um, and so there's been some efforts to kind of train imams around Toronto and, and abro- broader than that across Canada to, um, you know, how to, what they should do when they come across folks like this, how they can help, uh, you know, at the very least, if they can't uh, prosecute them, to at least help counsel them so that they're not going to be a threat and they can move on and, and uh, put all that behind them.
1: But he says he has put this behind him, right?
0: Well, he says he has, but we're not always the best judges of our own uh, character. Right. Um, to, to be honest, he's posted things online within the last year, year and a half, which are disturbing. Um, so, you know, and he admits to some uh, difficulty with certain things. Uh, he told me that he has a real problem with pride parades, for example. Um, and so, you know, he's, it's a process. It's nobody, even people that might get disgusted with the uh, the killing of ISIS, uh, you know, it's, they're not overnight going to be able to uh, to just switch off all those ideas. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's It takes time, and, you know, he's fortunate that he does have somebody who's trying to help him, Mubin Sheikh, who's uh, kind of taken him on, him on as a cause and trying to counsel him. And uh, Mubin himself had... Been down that same path right. and had uh, sort of, you know, flirted with radicalism and realized it wasn't for him. So, um, you know, there's at least some effort to, uh, to at least give him some guidance. And he is, you know, he's, uh, he told me he's going to university. He's got a girlfriend. He's working in his family business. So he's keeping busy. And he says he's focused on other goals um, and that he's not a threat. And he does make a fairly good point Which is worth keeping in mind, which is that, um, you know, Canadians don't necessarily have to be so concerned about the ones that come back voluntarily because the way he explained it, you know, they've um, made the choice to leave. The ones that are really, uh, you know, that are really stuck on the cause that aren't going to give it up are the ones that are going to die in Syria. They're not going to come back. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's an ongoing thing, and there's certainly the potential, not just in Canada, but, you know, even m- much more so in Europe, that as ISIS is collapsing in Syria and Iraq, we're going to see a lot more of these types coming back.
1: Right. I think the fear is, though, I mean, are, if they are coming back for the purpose of, you know, sowing that ideology here, uh, recruiting others, or maybe... You know awaiting orders uh, themselves to to you know take the fight to to the infidel
0: absolutely i mean that's and it, it's something that we've seen before in Canada um, after the afghanistan um, conflict with the Soviets we had a whole generation of people that returned from that and served as radical. You know, look at ahmed Qatar, for example, he was a veteran of that conflict he came back and not only radicalized those around him, but his own children. He got them into uh, to this type of thing, and you know, Chechnya, the the Bosnian conflict, all of those. We've seen returnees come back and serve uh, either as uh, radicalizers for a whole nether generation, or in you know, in some cases like Ahmed Rassam, even going on to plot attacks. Um, so yeah, it's a big concern, and it's it's you know, why the, the RCMP is trying to keep track of these people. And when they do come back, at least try to assess uh, what level of threat they, they still pose.
1: Well, people can read more about this. Uh, it's up at uh, globalnews.ca, the uh, exclusive story today. Stuart, uh, appreciate this. Thanks for making some time for us here. Okay, bye-bye. All right, take care. Stuart Bell, investigative journalist uh, with Global News, globalnews.ca. You can read his piece uh, on this uh, individual's story. It's on the main page right now, the headline, What Happens When an ISIS Member Returns to Canada? The Story of One Toronto Area Man. All right, 403-974-TALK is our number, 974-8255. A quick break, back with more. Stay with us. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.